Denver Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. Kittens are. This is Sports Crunch with DCROM. I'm your host, David Cromelo. Christmas time is here, folks, and fans of all 32 NFL teams are wishing for either a playoff berth, a new head coach or GM, a new quarterback, or maybe all of the above under their tree. And given parity in the NFL appears to be at its highest level ever, lots of teams should be in excellent position to make those wishes come true and be able to cash it big time in the new year that's looming ahead. What do you think, Hal Bent? Oh, I definitely agree, David. We have a lot of teams, a lot of COVID, a lot of all kinds of stuff going on right now. And it's setting up for a wild finish with so many teams still alive in the playoff race on both sides. You said it. Both conferences indeed have wide open playoff pictures, especially uh, for those wild card spots. And uh, a lot of unpredictable Christmas wishes could very well be coming true in the weeks ahead. But before we preview week 16, let's talk about our takeaways from week 15. I'll go first this week. Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, whenever they play each other, it is must-see TV. These are the two best quarterbacks on the face of the earth right now, and every time they have played face-to-face so far for three times, the game has gone down to the wire, and Thursday night was no exception. A game that went to overtime, both quarterbacks exchanging punches and counterpunches, and it's going to be the headline in the National Football League, maybe for the next 10 to 15 years. And moving on to the NFC, the Tampa Bay Bucks. not only did they lose a stinker to the New Orleans Saints, and we'll get to that in a minute, they may as well have an even tougher road to return to the Super Bowl. It's not just because of that loss. It's the injuries that resulted from that loss. Chris Godwin, obviously out for the season with a torn ACL. Both Levante David and Leonard Fournette likely to miss the remainder of the regular season. And unless they uh, get a lot of help in addition to winning out, they could be the number four seed in the NFC, meaning they could be looking at at least two road games in the playoffs and uh, at a, at a even more competitive NFC field this time around. But uh, as much credit as we should uh, give to the Bucks injuries that night, we have to give even more credit to my man, Dennis Allen, and that New Orleans Saints cool. defense. Dennis Allen, not only taking over for Sean Payton, who had to miss the game due to COVID, um, Dennis Allen, another brilliant game plan to slow down Tom Brady. Cameron Jordan maybe played the best game of his career, and he's played plenty of great games in his career. Cam Jordan already to 100 sacks, making a case for the Hall of Fame. And Dennis Allen just seems to have Tom Brady's number. And that game alone, though, could be his resume in full for being a head coaching candidate this January. And I think several teams have to give Dennis Allen an interview. And they got to give Greg Roman an interview, too. Like, Greg Roman, what he did with Tyler Huntley pushing the Packers to the brink at that game? Who expected Tyler Huntley... And the Ravens to do all they could to stay in that game. I did it. And it's all because of a guy like Greg Roman and his offensive creativity. I expect to see Dennis Allen, Greg Roman, uh, land a head coaching job very, very soon. If not this year, but definitely uh, come 2023. Those are my main takeaways from week 15. What about you, Hal? 
Oh, I, I agree. You know, uh, definitely Roman Allen, great performances this past week. Yeah. And talking about Tampa Bay, hey, it's suddenly lonely at the top of the division. Uh, New England losing, Baltimore losing, Tennessee losing, Arizona losing, Tampa losing. All these division leaders and with a chance to pull away in the division. Now Buffalo's one game behind New England with a huge matchup this week. Cincinnati and Baltimore have eight wins. Pittsburgh and Cleveland, they're somehow still alive. Uh, you've got Indianapolis, who looked fantastic this past weekend, right on the heels of a reeling Tennessee Titans team. Oh, so many races, so many teams still alive. The Rams breathing down the back of Arizona now. That division's coming down to the wire. It's just a great, great time for football right now. And who knew, thanks to the COVID cancellations and um, cancellations, reschedules that we've had, it's feeling like, you know, baseball. We've got football almost every night of the week right now. Uh, you know, I'm going, well, we got it Saturday night. We got it Sunday. We got it Sunday night. We got it Monday night. We got it Tuesday night. We got it again tonight on Thursday. We're going to have another Saturday game, Sunday, Monday, and who knows gets pushed out if we get anybody pushed out again this week to Tuesday. So what the heck? Let's go seven days a week, NFL. Make it happen. Uh, if the Omicron variant has anything to say over the NFL, that will be the case. We're not going to see like major NBA NHL postponements because the NFL does not have the scheduling flexibility that those two leagues have. It, they're just going to push games back a couple of days, and that's all we're going to see, I believe. What do you think? Yeah, I, I don't think that they have the um, wherewithal or the desire in any way, shape, or form to to cancel, shut down for a week or two, anything like that. I think the NFL is pushing as much as possible to keep things on as regular a schedule as process. Um, you know, they're booked for the Super Bowl already. There's only so much that they can do with that week set in stone. So, um, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right with that, David. We're only pushing back a day or two at the most. Yes, and if a team... That's contending for the Super Bowl or the playoffs, uh, mostly the Super Bowl, though, uh, is going to have a COVID outbreak. Better to have it now because uh, if you have it now, then you got enough immunity built into your team to last you past the Super Bowl. Exactly. Yes. Get it out of your system now and uh, get ready uh, because if January comes, you don't want to be January and February dealing with, you know, third or fourth string quarterbacks. You said it, and I guarantee you uh, all these Super Bowl contenders are probably going to keep their uh, starting quarterbacks in as much bubble wrap as possible these <laughs> next several weeks and counting. And now it's time to play our favorite game on this program, Truth or Exaggeration. You know how this works. I make a statement, and you, Hal, you determine whether I'm telling the truth or whether I'm exaggerating, and you explain why. And we start with the team that you mentioned the Indianapolis Colts, who made a statement over your New England Patriots last Saturday. Should they make the playoffs? The Indianapolis Colts will be the team that nobody, and I mean nobody, will want to play. Truth or exaggeration? Oh, definitely a truth there. I mean, this team is peaking at the right time. Their uh, power running game. The only thing that makes it a slight exaggeration in my mind is one, if they're going on the road, there's a little bit of a letdown on the road. Um, 
you know, you, you saw the dome was rocking there on Saturday night, great environment for a playoff game, great home field advantage, but take that on the road, a little bit tougher to get that energy level up um, for Indianapolis. And number two, Carson Wentz, he almost brought the Patriots back into that game. And if I'm a Colts fan, oh man, am I dreading the thought of, you know, a turnover early in the game and Carson Wentz having to take you back from two scores down. I would not want to see that if I was a Colts fan. So I'm going to say truth. Nobody's going to want to play them. Nobody wants to see that offensive line and running game, but a little bit of an exaggeration in that, um, you know, I'll take my chances with Carson Wentz at quarterback rather than going up against Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert at this point. You bring up a very good point, but this is big boy football we're talking about, and very few teams play big boy football that comes in handy in December better than the Indianapolis Colts. So like you said, that offensive line, the running game with offensive player of the year, if not MVP candidate Jonathan Taylor, and that defense, oh man, with DeForest Buckner and that defensive line could get home with just four and keep a very underrated pass defense back in coverage all day long. And Darius Leonard, who uh, has mastered the peanut punch better than any NFL player, not named Charles peanut Tillman. I don't want to face that team at all. I don't care how, how um, inconsistent Carson Wentz is that team could easily win in the playoffs. If they force you to play them at their own game. Exactly. David, I agree with that. And, like I said, I just give that little Carson Wentz caveat because playing from behind, I think you've got the Colts in a bad situation. I completely, completely agree with that. And let's go to the Colts, AFC South rival, Jacksonville Jaguars, who if the season ended today, they would have the number one overall pick of the draft for the second consecutive year. But if they do... They're going to face a tougher decision than people think. So should the Jaguars get the first overall pick in the 2022 NFL draft, they should highly consider drafting whoever the best offensive tackle is on their board. Evan Neal from Alabama, Akema Kwonu, um, forgive me if I butcher that name. I won't butcher it when we do our offensive line prospect episode uh, in the spring of uh, North Carolina State. Uh, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau and Aiden Hutchinson might sound like no-brainers, but given how bad that Jaguars offensive line is in front of Trevor Lawrence, they might have some hard thinking to do. Yeah, uh, definitely a truth. I mean, I think if I'm Jacksonville, I'm looking at every position except quarterback at this point. Um, I mean, just too many needs on both sides of the ball. I think this is a classic uh, number one overall pick where you can't go wrong drafting on the offensive line. You can't go wrong uh, getting one of those three top edge rushers out there, whether it's Hutchinson, Thibodeau, um, or even um, Ojabu from Michigan there, who looks fantastic as well. Or Karloftis you know, from Purdue. Don't forget him. Oh, he's, yeah, he's no exactly. Slouch. Let's see. No, exactly. So, again, this might be Jacksonville, you know, maybe hope somebody – um, in the three or the four range, whether it's Houston, the Jets, the Giants, uh, wants to get up and package some additional picks to, to get up and get, whether they fall in love with Thibodeau or Hutchinson or Derek Stingley Jr., whoever it may be, 
hope that they fall in love with a guy and pick up a couple extra picks here because there is that no one superstar. There's no Trevor Lawrence at the top of this draft and moving back and accumulating picks for a team that has as many needs as uh, they have in Jacksonville, maybe just the thing that they should be looking for. Oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. That's one of the other things they have to highly consider is to uh, auction off that number one pick and see how many extra picks they could get both uh, in this year's draft and next year's draft, even if no firsts are involved, because the Jaguars could still use all the picks they can to keep building around Trevor Lawrence. So if they're able to move down just a couple spots and still get like an Evan Neal or an Akema Kwonu to protect Trevor Lawrence with their number one uh, overall pick, uh, their first round pick, that is, go for it. That's all I could say. Exactly. Exactly. And moving right along to the AFC North, that congested AFC North. We got two eight and six teams at the top of the division, a seven and seven Browns team at the bottom and a seven, six and one Steelers team in the middle. This is going to be a photo finish in this division. However, whoever wins Sunday's Ravens Bengals game will win the AFC North truth or exaggeration. I can't predict anything in this division right now, David. I, <laughs> I mean, for all I know, you know, Pittsburgh is going to go out there and Ben Roethlisberger is going to throw three touchdowns in the fourth quarter and they'll beat Kansas City um, and then run the table or something like that and finish 10-7-1. I, no, I can't say that that's going to be the final score right there this week. Whoever's in the wins that game is in the driver's seat, but... You know, there's, it's just too congested behind them. Somebody's going to uh, make a move on the outside and try to pass them, and I could definitely see that happening. So i got to go a little bit of an exaggeration there. Yep. Like I said, it's going to be a photo finish in the AFC North, and we should not expect anything else. If Russell Wilson is made available by the Seahawks for trade, teams interested in trading for him must, and I mean must, do a lot of vetting on his mallet finger, and potential complications it could cause for the remainder of his career. Truth or exaggeration? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a truth. I mean, we're talking about a quarterback's hand uh, who's going to be expected to be carrying that team and throwing a whole heck of a lot of passes uh, in the next couple of seasons for them. So, yeah, I, I would want, you know, dot my I's, cross my T's, have everybody I can get my hands on with an MD, take a look at them, Definitely. That kind of investment, you can't uh, at that point risk giving up the package it's going to take to get him and not get the Russell Wilson, who uh, has been the last three years when healthy, uh, you know, one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. So, yeah, you definitely got to definitely have to take care of business as far as making sure that finger is all set and health is not an issue when training for him. Oh, absolutely. And uh, the fact that it could very well uh, cause complications for the entire rest of his career is a possibility that definitely exists because uh, a friend of mine at work, uh, he had numerous mallet finger surgeries and he says he still feels complications from them to this very day. So uh, that is a possibility that definitely exists. Yeah, definitely is. And, um, you know, I remember Drew Bledsoe having that problem uh, after the Patriots were in the Super Bowl uh, two years later. And he certainly was never the same quarterback uh, pre-1998 than he was 
you know, I mean, sorry, post 98, as he was in those five, six years before where he looked like he was on a Hall of Fame track. So definitely got to be concerned about that finger. You most certainly do. And thank you for that uh, historical tidbit there, Hal. And last week, as part of our challenge flags, you challenged the Los Angeles Rams to win the NFC West. And they took care of business against the Seahawks on Tuesday night. And the Cardinals laid an egg against the Detroit Lions on the road on Sunday. Granted, it was an excellent, amazing performance by Dan Campbell's Lions. Don't get me wrong, but still... Uh, the Cardinals have to be indicted for that as well. So, truth or exaggeration, the Los Angeles Rams will win the NFC West. I'm going with the truth right there, David. Uh, Arizona's got Indy and then Dallas the next game. I mean, I'm looking at a 1-2 finish. Yeah, the Rams in Minnesota this week. Um, I think they play in Baltimore after that and finish up with the 49ers. Certainly not a tough schedule, but uh, I think they've got this back on track after those three straight losses. Now we've got three straight wins. The team's getting hit much, much healthier now. Uh, I'm liking what I'm seeing with those Rams. I think they're on their way. I'm going to say it's a truth. They're in the driver's seat. The West is likely theirs. Yep, uh, the Rams, that's not an easy schedule to be sure, but uh, I would definitely say uh, things are looking up for them far more than they are for the Cardinals at the moment. And how about those Philadelphia Eagles and their performance last night? Granted, it was over COVID-depleted Washington team, but still the Washington football team and Ron Rivera, they had he had them fighting to the very end, and they made it as hard as they could on the Eagles, but the Eagles just stood firm and took the punches and ran away with the game in the second half. So if the Eagles make the playoffs, Nick Sirianni should be in consideration for Coach of the Year honors. Truth or exaggeration? Truth, truth. He already should be at this point. I mean, they can, they can lose out, and he still should be in consideration for Coach of the Year. I expected Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts at quarterback here um, to be a train wreck this season, and instead he's got them pushing for the playoffs. I mean, definitely, definitely a truth. He should be in the uh, consideration whether they make the playoffs or not, as far as I'm concerned. I would agree. And last but not least, those San Francisco 49ers, God, they have been on a tear since we talked about maybe should they fire Kyle Shanahan in the middle of the season. <laughs> but since we talked about that, the Kyle Shanahan that we thought we knew and the 49ers that we thought we would get this year have shown up and shown out Big time, and they are in the driver's seat for one of the wild card spots in the NFC. And a big reason why, Nick Bosa, and truth or exaggeration, Nick Bosa is now the front runner for 2021 Comeback Player of the Year. Oh, yeah. I mean, without a doubt. Um, what, what's he got, 15 sacks, and we got three games to go? I mean, we could see that number anywhere uh, 18, 19, 20 by the time he's done with this year. I mean, he's come back, hasn't missed a beat. Um, you know, those bosses, you can't bet against them, I'll tell you. Uh, definitely, yes, put it as a truth. He should be uh, part of that conversation for Defensive Player of the Year. Defensive Player of the Year, but if not Defensive Player of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year for sure. Because yes, he tore his ACL definitely. week two of last year, and uh, he came into the league with uh, some durability concerns, but... He is now ripping it up. 
15 sacks and counting on the season and sacks aren't the only stat though. He is constantly disrupting whoever the opposing quarterback is any given week. And now let's talk about four teams and the ideal Christmas presents under the tree, whether it be a new head coach, a new GM and or a new quarterback. We start here in Chicago with my Chicago bears. We obviously know Matt Nagy is gone. It is looking increasingly likely that Ryan Pace is gone and they got a very promising young quarterback at Justin Fields, but they need the backbone of a head coach and GM combination to fully maximize the team's collective potential with him. So if you look at the bears, I think they need to go after one of those hot offensive minds, whether it's, Brian Dable or Greg Roman or Byron Leftwich, although Byron Leftwich is uh, mentioned as a frontrunner for the Jacksonville job, which we'll get to in a little bit at, at the moment. Uh, I think those have to be the final three head coaching finalists for the Bears. So in terms of a new head coach, what would be your most ideal Christmas wish as a Bears fan? Oh, I, I think it's got to be Brian Dable. I mean, just look at Josh Allen. I mean, exhibit A, What if you have a young quarterback why are you not thinking about bringing in Brian Dable? Um, as far as I'm concerned, he should be at the top of the list uh, to take the raw clay that was Josh Allen coming out of Wyoming and shape him into an MVP candidate. That definitely um, vaults him to, as far as I'm concerned, to the top of the list right there. He's got a, a great pedigree. He's got the Nick Saban background. He's got the Bill Belichick background. Uh, you know, he's got other experience around the league. He was an offensive coordinator in Cleveland, in Miami, uh, even a year in Kansas City. So he definitely has a diverse background, checks off all the right boxes. And at the top of his resume, Josh Allen, I think that makes him this should be the slam dunk for the Chicago Bears uh, when they're looking at their head coach for next year. I absolutely Definitely 100% agree, Hal. And not only that, NFL insider Benjamin Albright, who's based out of Denver, where he uh, runs his own nightly program on 850 KOA radio down there. He's been reporting since October that Brian Dable is the Bears' top choice for their head coaching position that is soon to be vacant, going to be vacant. And uh, that hasn't changed. So look for the Bears to make an aggressive push for Brian Dable. But they're likely going to need a new GM to pair him with and here are a couple names i could think of colts assisted gm ed dodds ed dodds is known around the league as a bright talent evaluator and keep in mind um scouts have a big role to play in who teams draft like when current colts gm chris ballard was a area scout for the bears back in the 2000s he had to persuade jerry angelo who was the gm at the time to take matt forte and Charles Peanut Tillman because he was like the Southern area scout and he scouted both of them uh, in depth. And uh, he had a big role in the bears selecting them. And uh, that uh, those are two uh, evaluations on his resume that made him a GM candidate in the future. And Ed Dodds had a lot of similar decisions when he was a scout with the Seahawks. And now he's Ballard's assistant uh, in Indianapolis, but another guy who might be pleading for the job as he might've been Monday night, Lewis Riddick, yeah. Lewis Riddick, who is, uh, has executive experience with both the Eagles and Washington organizations. Uh, he had a role in the selection of Sean Taylor 
um, who should be in the Hall of Fame one day, career cut too short, but the longevity, it's not the whole longevity, it's the Hall of Fame. Uh, Lewis Riddick, he uh, would make an excellent potential candidate too, as he's been looked at several times over the in recent years for a GM position. So if you had to choose between Ed Dodds and Lewis Riddick to team up with Brian Dable, who would you pick? You know, I, just my bias with John Gruden recently uh, fired. I'm going to say I'm not going to take the guy coming out of the booth. And no offense to Lewis Riddick because I'm a big fan of Lewis Riddick. But, um, no, I, I'm going Dodds. I want somebody that's active in the game um, right now that's up to their elbows in it. And I don't want to take any risk at all. And, you know, Riddick will carry a little bit of a risk as he's, uh, you know, basically been with ESPN for, um, you know, six, seven years by now. Um, definitely, you know, nothing against Lewis. Love you, love you, Lewis. But no, I, I'm going Dodds in this case. Amen, amen, amen. I completely agree with you, Hale. Brian Dable and Ed Dodds have been at the top of my wish list for the Bears in terms of new head coach and new GM since late August, for crying out loud. And now on to my other favorite team, the Broncos. I don't think they need a new GM. Uh, George Payton looks like he's done a great job so far. Look at his uh, 2021 draft class, for crying out loud. Uh, do you think the Broncos are pretty set at GM right now? Oh, definitely. I, You know, you got to give Payton some time. He started with a bang, that draft class, um, you know, very deep draft class for Denver. Love the pick so far, all the way first round, all the way down to talent in those later rounds as well. Give him a chance. Let him run with the show. And I think we're simpatico and let him pick out his own head coach here going forward. Yes. And as Benjamin Albright has also been reporting since October, look for George Payton to hire a guy with previous head coaching experience that he has a relationship with going back several years. One of them, current Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, who wanted to be teamed up with George Payton in a head coach general manager package when he was being sought after to be a head coach when he was defensive coordinator to Seahawks once upon a time, and current Bills defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier. So if those were the two main guys on the Broncos list, which one of those two would be the most ideal Christmas present? Oof. I mean, that's a toughie. I don't, I don't think you're going to go wrong with either one of those two. Uh, love Leslie Frazier. I think, you know, it's criminal that he hasn't had a shot um, at a head coaching position again. I might just be sentimental here for the holiday seasons, David, but um, I, I, I just so want, so, so, so want to see Leslie Frazier get another shot as a head coach because I think he truly, truly deserves it. Um, you know, learned his lessons from Minnesota, has done a fantastic job with that Buffalo defense, turning that around. There was a reason he was a hot candidate um, when he got hired on in Minnesota uh, in the early 2010s. Um, the jobs he did in Cincinnati and Minnesota building those defenses, uh, you know, definitely I, I'm going to say Leslie Frazier every time because I just want to see him succeed. Such a wonderful coach, so well-respected around the league, and just that aura of authenticity that he brings um, just anytime you hear him speak. Uh, he's somebody players want to play for. I love Leslie Frazier. Give him the damn job. 
And if the Broncos had to choose between trading for Russell Wilson or trading for Aaron Rodgers, who would you pick? And this choice has become even more complicated now, dare I say, because Aaron Rodgers, he's having another MVP caliber season, but how many years does he have left? I don't think he has a lot. He's going to be 39 next year, I believe, for crying out loud. And I think the fall off is about to begin for Aaron Rodgers. And Russell Wilson, he's young, and he's been a top three quarterback in the NFL for several years now. But that mallet finger, as we talked about, yeah. raises a lot of long-term concerns. So who would be the better Christmas present? Man, Russell Wilson know, is the Broncos quarterback or Aaron Rodgers is the Broncos quarterback? I, I'm going to say Aaron Rodgers. I, I just haven't seen any drop-off with Rodgers. I mean, this is his age 38 season. His season looks like, you know, pick any of the 10 previous seasons at He's pretty much in line, completion percentage, quarterback rating, whatever metric, touchdown to interception ratio, pick whatever one you want. Uh, he, he's as consistent as the Northern Star. You've got to go with Aaron Rodgers, even if you're looking at it and saying, hey, this is a Peyton Manning situation. We only got three, maybe four years maximum out of them. Hey, anybody in Denver want to give back those Peyton Manning years? I don't think so. I'd take him from Aaron Rodgers. He'd be the top of my list. Very, very good point there, Hal. And the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, they're going to still need a new long-term head coach. Rich Passaccia, he's a very good special teams coach, but I do not think he is a good long-term option for the Raiders at head coach. They need somebody better. And Benjamin Albright has been reporting that if Mike Mayock keeps his job as GM, two names to keep an eye on, Cardinals defensive coordinator Vance Joseph, who I think deserves another chance at, at head coach, given the job he's done this season. And Clemson head coach Dabo Swinney. Mike Mayock loves drafting players from Clemson. Cleveland Farrell, Hunter Renfro, just to name a few. If the final decision came down to Vance Joseph or Dabo Swinney, who would you pick for the Raiders? Man. Man, you know, um, it's Vegas, so you want to make it splashy. So, I mean, it's kind of leaning towards Davo Sweeney there, but, man, you're going to have to shell out to pry him away from Clemson, I think, at this point. Um, you know, these top-tier head coaches in college, they have the life. They've got it made right there, and, again, I don't want to go with the bias or anything, but Urban Meyer is sitting there in the back of my head and thinking, boy, you know, I don't know about that. I don't want once bitten, twice shy right now, bringing in those uh, big names like that from college. I think I'd go over, um, give Vance Joseph his well-deserved second chance. I think he'd be a great fit in Vegas. And speaking of Urban Meyer, thank God the football gods were looking at our show when we were begging for him to be fired last week. Be gone! And Bye -bye. the Jaguars now have a head coaching vacancy. And as Jay Glazer reported, former Jaguars quarterback and current Bucks offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich appears to be the early front runner for that job. But I would highly consider Greg Roman too, after what he did with Tyler Huntley last week. Uh, Filling in for Lamar Jackson. So uh, 
Byron Leftwich or Greg Roman, I think it has to be one of those two for the Jaguars to really get the most out of Trevor Lawrence going forward. Yeah, and, and you know, I, just to throw another name in there, my God, when is Eric Bieniemy going to get a head coaching job? You know, you, you look at what he's done with the Chiefs. Yes, Andy Reid gets a lot of that attention, but the Andy Reid tree is so bountiful. Philadelphia got uh, a Doug Peterson. Matt Nagy, recent recency bias. Matt Nagy. Has all right, all right. Yeah, you got you got, you got me on there. Frank Wright coming from Peterson. I, uh, you know, uh, it's a tough one. But but yeah, I, I'd throw the enemy in there. But uh, you know, you want to make it look good in Jacksonville. You want to fill some fill some seats. You got to look at Byron Leftwich right now. I I think that's, um, you know, the hometown boy making good the history with Jacksonville, you need to get some kind of excitement. You need to get those poor long suffering fans, give them some kind of olive branch, something to grab onto. I'd make my run towards Byron Leftwich. And now let's preview our game of the weekend. It is for first place at the AFC North, the Ravens at the Bengals. And like we said, this game, whoever wins, it might not determine who ends up winning the division. But whoever wins is going to clearly be in the driver's seat going forward. And today, Lamar Jackson did not practice once again. That ankle is still bothering him. But whether it's him or Tyler Huntley, a quarterback for the Ravens this week, as tough as that Packers defense is, I think this Bengals defense is even tougher. How much tougher of a challenge is the Bengals defense compared to the Packers defense in your mind? Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty close to to equal. I mean, I think the one thing Green Bay has over Cincinnati has just been the consistency this year. Uh, Cincinnati's just had a couple of games where, for whatever reason, things got away from them. And you saw high point totals, uh, you know, granted against the Browns, against the Chargers, who are good teams, um, against the Jets. I don't know what happened there. I forget that one throw that out but um definitely you know that cincinnati defense is going to be equal to or on par i would say um with the green bay defense that baltimore almost almost did enough to get that w last week well they most certainly did and even though i had a problem with the play call on two-point conversion i completely agree with their um decision to go for two do you oh definitely i just wish they had gone for two on the previous touchdown and then put themselves in the position to either kick the extra point and win or know that you have to go for two to tie and send to overtime uh, you know not, uh, all for the aggressiveness all for saying win that game and analytics or not i don't really care the head coach has to have his thumb on the pulse of his team and know exactly what the situation calls for and for Harbaugh to go for it for the win. No problem at all. I don't want to risk giving the ball back to Aaron Rodgers again in overtime. Heck no. You'll never get the ball back more than likely, but yes, go for it there, but please, he should have went for it on the first touchdown um, when they cut the lead to seven. And at that point, would have been the perfect time to go for two and set up that decision for the end of the game. Very, very good point. And John Harbaugh, I definitely love the fact that he and a few other head coaches are really going by analytics now. And I certainly hope that even more 
in the years ahead will operate that way as well. This newfound aggressiveness is one of the best developments in football in recent years. And when you look at this game, however, my biggest concern for the Ravens is if they can't get to Joe Burrow, they're in big trouble, I think, because with obviously Marcus Peters, who was lost for the season with the ACL tear uh, before the season started, and now Marlon Humphrey on the shelf for the rest of the season, can't get to Joe Burrow, this could be a blowout win for the Bengals. Don't you think it will if they can't get to Joe Burrow most likely? Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to come up with something there. You know, if there's somebody that's going to scheme up pressure, though, I love the idea of having Don Wink Martindale in your pocket there because nobody (laughs) puts their foot on the pedal and says, you know, I'm not getting it with a traditional four-man rush here. Um, I'm going to pull out every blitz I have in my back pocket, and I'm going to put the pressure on this young quarterback and make him beat us. Nobody does that like Don Wink Martindale does. Absolutely. Don Wink Martindale, he is another guy who deserves head coaching looks because of his uh, amazing creative defensive schemes, especially when it comes to blitzing. He is one of the best defensive minds who really loves to blitz these days. And uh, it's kind of a zig uh, to the uh, zagging of the rest of the NFL. Uh, man, did I use zig and zag in the wrong yes. way? <laughs> Forgive me if I did. But it, <laughs> All right. So to rephrase that, it's kind of like he's zagging while other teams in the league, most of the other teams are zigging with the Faggio Staley defense of like, try to only rush with four, but uh Blitzing, if you can still get away with it, it is still a great tool to use. And Wheat Martindale knows how to use it brilliantly. So uh, what are some of the key matchups you're looking for in this game? Like I said, whenever the um, uh, Ravens pass rush cannot get to Joe Burrow, how well their corners can hold up against Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd at T. Higgins could be the deciding factor in this game. Yeah, I mean... That secondary, you know, be, between the, uh, the players that are currently in the COVID protocol, the injuries that they've already had, it's just a nightmare for Baltimore. They've got to figure something out with that. Take a step back and load up on secondary, uh, drop as many back into coverage, take away those big plays from Cincinnati, whether you're dropping your safeties deep and not letting uh, Jamar Chase beat you for those big plays downfield, not letting Tyler Boyd get open deep and making it, the Bengals, Joe Burrow, uh, you know, take that short passing game, make him put together 10, 12 play drives over and over again in order to score points. That might be, this might be a week where we see the Ravens going in with that kind of game plan, um, you know, and, and take away that big play and hope that they can come up with some big plays with that pass rush. Yes, and another matchup I'm watching is up front, and the Ravens' offensive line has been decimated by injuries as well, and they have a very tough task this week going against Trey Hendrickson. Oh, my God, he could be the best free agency signing of this most recent cycle. He has been everything the Bengals have hoped for and more. He has been dominant in many of his games and he's going to have a big opportunity to feast this week after a very impressive performance that almost single-handedly won in the game in Denver last week. Yeah. I mean, Hendrickson has just been 
fantastic for them. It was assigning a lot of people questions in the offseason, and we don't hear anybody with any dissenting voices against that signing. That looks like one of the best signings. And to have him up there rushing from the edge and, and Larry Ogunjobi in the middle of that defensive line for Cincinnati as well, that's going to put a lot of pressure on that offensive line for Baltimore. Yep, regardless of who's quarterback, it's going to be tough. And who do you think comes away with a pivotal victory in Queen City on Sunday? Do you like the Ravens or do you like the Bengals? Man, this is a tough one. I went back and forth about three times. I went to the Bengals and I said, no, 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 it's going to be the Ravens. So I figured, let's make this an overtime game. It sounds like it's going to be. It could be a close one. I'm going to give it to the Bengals. I figure they'll have just enough offensive power to pull away in this one in overtime. Um, don't even let Baltimore touch the ball. Cincinnati 27, Baltimore 21. Sound that simpatico alert now. <laughs> I like I the like Bengals it. for the exact same reasons you mentioned. Uh, I definitely think the decimated Ravens secondary, that is going to be too much of a disadvantage for the Ravens to overcome this game. Granted, I don't think it's going to be a blowout like uh, it was earlier this season in Baltimore. I think the Ravens are going to uh, do what they do best when their backs are against the wall. They're going to fight to the very end. But I just see Joe Burrow um, authoring another chapter in what is just the beginning of a very promising career for him. I like the Bengals in this game. Uh, it's going to be close, but I am going to say Bengals 24, Ravens 21. And now let's pick the rest of these Week 60 games starting tonight with a big matchup. Um, that has playoff implications in Music City. The Tennessee Titans hosting the Red Hot San Francisco 49ers. If you like defense, this is going to be your kind of game. I don't see a lot of offense in this game at all. It's going to come down to whoever plays better defense and runs the ball better. I like both defenses the same. I really do. But when it comes to the running game, this is where missing Derrick Henry is going to bite the Titans again, unfortunately. The 49ers have one of the best offensive lines in the league, and the Titans are going to be missing Taylor Lewan due to an injury and Roger Saffold, their two best offensive linemen. Uh, Saffold tested positive for COVID today, so both of those guys will be out. Uh, that is going to be enough to give the advantage to the 49ers. It's going to be an ugly, low-scoring game, relatively close, but I like the 49ers. Yeah, I'm going with the 49ers in a lower scoring game as well. You know, I'm looking at this game and I'm saying both teams can run the ball. Both teams are strong on defense, but I'm looking at the quarterbacks. You know, I wouldn't believe I would say this if you asked me 365 days ago, but I have more faith in Jimmy Garoppolo than I do in Ryan Tannehill hill right now um so that's enough to give the edge to san francisco i see them taking it 24 to 16 over tennessee and on christmas day saturday a double header beginning at lambeau field where the number one nfc seed green bay packers host the cleveland browns are in a do or die game for their season most likely I expect the Browns to put up a fight for the first uh, three, three and a half quarters or so because it's just who they are. They're a very talented team. They're going to make it as hard as possible on the Packers. But at the end of the day, this is the last dance for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. They're playing like it. They've been playing like it 
most of this season, and the urgency is only going to pick up now. They want to get that number one seed again. Only this year, they want to punch their ticket to the Super Bowl with that number one seed. Uh, they were able to do so last year. They're determined to not let it repeat, and uh, they're determined to get the first part of that equation right for the second year in a row as well. I think the Packers uh, run away in the end, 31-23. to 23. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you see Cleveland come out and have a big first quarter, and that's about all I see them having a big first quarter and not much else after that. Um, you know, we might see Nick Chubb uh, break off a big run early, drive them down the field, but I think it's going to be Green Bay takes over this game. Their twin attack at running back, Aaron Rodgers, uh, getting more comfortable with his wide receivers there. We're seeing um, so much more um, comfort level there. Green Bay's just clicking too much. I've got it in a blowout. Green Bay 34, Cleveland 14. And the second part of the Christmas Day doubleheader, another matchup with playoff implications in the desert as the Cardinals host the Indianapolis Colts. And oh my goodness, the Arizona Cardinals were notoriously known for their late season collapse last year. And I have a sad feeling it's happening again for them because uh, I like Kyler Murray, but without DeAndre Hopkins, he just doesn't have that guy he could always trust and it clearly was evident last week against the Lions and now he has to face a Colts defense uh, that is far better than the Lions for crying out loud I just like the Colts in this game how do they win stay tuned for bowl predictions nice yeah I like the Colts as well um, I'm at the point right now the rest of the season I'm not picking against Indy until maybe we get to the playoffs we'll see then but um Indy putting a W next to them each and every week, the rest of the way I've got them taking it 27 to 24. The Detroit lions fresh off that incredible, impressive upset win over the Connells. It was a win in dominating fashion and a bright future. I believe they have with dad Campbell. Should Brad Holmes be able to work his magic in the draft, Traley to Atlanta to take on the Falcons who are playing a do or die game for their season. Screw it. I'm going to pick the Lions again. Uh, the, I picked the Lions to upset my Broncos at that game. I went to the spirit of Demarius Thomas said, uh-uh, not going to happen. And But the Lions team that I kind of expected to show up in Denver showed up last week. I expect them to play Atlanta much better than they did the Broncos. And that's going to be enough to pull out a hard-fought 20-17 to 17 win. I think even if Jared Goff doesn't play this game due to COVID, so what? Just run the ball with DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams all game long. That should be enough to get it done. And, and, and play good defense against Matt Ryan's face. Uh, they got the guys to do it, especially in the middle of that defensive line. And I tell you, I, uh, you know, we talk about uh, coach of the year. Uh, you know, Arthur Smith has to be in this conversation. The, the Atlanta offense is terrible. The defense is even worse, and they're six and eight. Uh, I I just don't get it. It seems like every other week they're winning a game they shouldn't be. I I just have a feeling this is going to be one of those weird Atlanta wins again. There's no reason to pick them. I'm going to pick them. 24-21 over Detroit. Yep, it's going to be close either way, so we're simpatico in that regard. The Los Angeles Rams traveling to Minnesota to take out the 
Pontiac kids in the NFL this year. The Minnesota Vikings, it appears almost every game they play is a one-score oh. game. I would expect this to be no different whatsoever. The Vikings have been manning, manningly inconsistent all season long, but so have the Rams. Even though the Rams are a better team, they have uh, been horribly inconsistent this year. And I think they give the Arizona Cardinals one more reprieve at first place this week. It might not happen um, down the line. I still think the Rams end up winning the, the division down the road, but I just have a feeling the Vikings played their best game of the year this week. And I just do, for some reason, they just want to let Matthew Stafford know they're not sorry. They are sorry about the division because they can beat up on him all the time. I like the Vikings in this game. And I think Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook and that offense make more than enough plays to uh, win the game. Yeah. I mean, David, I'm telling you, the, the Vikings are just one of those teams I cannot figure out as well. I put them in the same boat as Atlanta. They should be winning so many of these games. I mean, my God, they should be, you know, they should have 10 wins easily at this point. I mean, so many bizarre losses, close games. I, I can't figure this team out. I'm going to, I'm going to go on the safe side. I'm going to, you know, say I challenge the Rams. I think they're making their run. I think they're going to get in a position to start clicking going forward. So I'll give the Rams in a close one, 23 to 19 over the Vikings. But yeah, this one could go either way. And speaking of a game that could go either way, and it's for the division lead, the Bills traveling to Foxborough to take out your Patriots. The Bills looking for revenge after the Patriots beat them by only throwing the ball three times. Well, the Patriots lost last week, and Indy only threw the ball five times. So <laughs> take the circle a week beforehand, and uh, I just uh, am going to go with the uh, Patriots here because this Bills team, it's just not the same as it was in 2000 and bill belichick coming uh after a loss he just tends to be very very tough after a loss uh he just immediately corrects the mistakes and that alone will be enough to pull out another close win over the bills yeah i mean i was surprised by the patriots let down they kind of sleepwalked those first three quarters take nothing away from indy indy beat them up on both sides of the ball in the trenches. That was an impressive performance by the Colts. I, you know, am interested to see how the Patriots respond to that because if they come out and fall behind early again, I worry about them being able to come back. You know what? Let's go for chaos. I'll take the Bills in and up, upsetting the Patriots here, 24 20. The Jacksonville Jaguars lost again to the Texans traveling to East Rutherford to take on the COVID ravaged New York Jets. Uh, this game is a hold your nose game. Whatever <laughs> team I pick, I'm holding my nose to pick it. <laughs> it's hard. Granted, since the Jaguars lost to the Texans again, I still can't see them beating the COVID-depleted New York Jets. Uh, they'll still play hard in spirit for Robert Sala. It, it's kind of a trend that we see. Whenever a coach has to miss the game due to COVID, the team kind of plays extra hard um, yeah. for, for him. And I think it's going to be no different this week, especially if Robert Sala cannot clear protocol in time for Sunday. I'm going to go with the Jets. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going with the Jets as well. Um 
Yeah, I, he, it, it, it's a mess there. I get Jacksonville still a mess. I think they're still reeling. I think the offensive plan is for the Jets going forward is, you know, don't break Zach Wilson. They're going to lean on that running game. Michael Carter, Tevin Coleman. I think they'll get some uh, steady production out of them. And I think the Jets should do just enough to hold off Jacksonville. I've got it 22 to 20 for New York. And speaking of New York, the Giants traveling to Philly to take out the Eagles. The Eagles might be coming off a short week playing on Tuesday, but I still like the Eagles in this game. They uh, dropped uh, a heartbreaker to the Giants last time. Uh, They're not going to do it again. Uh, because uh, I just do not see it happening against Mike Glennon or Jake Fromm. That defense will be able to force them into a mistake or two that'll be the difference in the game. I still expect it to be close and low scoring given uh, the Giants' defense and how well they played uh, Jalen Hurts of the Eagles last time. But uh, I like the Eagles uh, in large part through their defense in this game. I'm with you 100% on this one, David. Uh, the, the Eagles have joined the Colts and one other team that I won't say right now because uh, it'll mess. I don't want to foreshadow any of my other picks, but th- there's three teams I'm not picking against the rest of the way. And one of those teams is Philadelphia. I think the Eagles have got it on track with that running game. And I think it's going to get ugly for the Giants. So I've got it Philadelphia 30, the Giants 16. Bucks, who lost a sneaker to the Saints and lost a lot of key players to injury, hope to get back on track on the road this weekend in Carolina. I think they do. Despite the injury to Chris Guywood, they will be getting Antonio Brown back. Brown and Gronk, uh, those two guys alone can make enough plays, uh, even without Mike Evans. He'll probably be rested this week due to the hammy. And uh, the Matt rule, what are you doing with this two quarterback nonsense? Please make it stop. The Panthers are a team that after starting three and they've just gone into a tailspin. Oh my goodness. What it's been sad to watch in Carolina and it, they might keep the game interesting for about a quarter or two, but I think the Bucks end up pulling away in the second half bucks, 31 Panthers, 17. Yeah. Yeah. I've got this one kind of an ugly game. Uh, Tampa Bay does just enough to never be threatened. I don't see Carolina and Cam putting up many points on the board against the Tampa defense. I've got a Tampa 23, Carolina 6. And uh, moving to Houston, the Texans, after beating the Jaguars again, host the Los Angeles Chargers coming off a heartbreaking loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. But granted, they showed exactly why they're headed up the latter with Justin Herbert. And even though they might not have Austin Eckler and Joey Bosa in this game, it's against the Texans. The Chargers are still far more talented. And Justin Herbert should have no problem finding his favorite receivers. And that ruddy game, whether it's uh, Justin Jackson, Larry Rowtree, they'll pick up the slack. The Chargers win an easy one. I'm with you on this one. This one's listed as a blowout. Call it a get well game, whatever you want to do. Chargers 40, Houston 13. The Chicago Bears, only three more games of the Matt Nagy era and hopefully the Ryan Pace here as well, traveling to Seattle to take out the Seahawks, who could be down in their final three games of the Russell Wilson era. I thought about going with the Bears for a little bit, given how promising Justin Fields has still looked this season. 
but I don't trust Nagy. The way the Bears played on Monday Night Get This On, this is, they look like a team that has quit on that Nagy, saying, all right, we're done. Just end the season, bring in the new coach, and let's start preparing for 2022. And Pete Carroll, knowing the feisty competitor he is and the feisty competitor Russell Wilson is, they're going to make these last games count, even though it's their first losing season together. They're just going to want to go out on the most positive note possible. I like the Seahawks. Yeah, this is the, uh, what do we call it? The underachievers bowl. Uh, <laughs> uh, two teams a lot of people thought would be in the playoff race this season that are nowhere near that. I, ugh, again, I looked at this game and I said, this is, you know, this is ugly. Well, you know what? I'm going to embrace the ugly. I'm picking a tie. 2020. How does it end up that way? You'll have to wait for the bold prediction to hear that. Oh, I like it. The Steelers. Hell, I told you, you can't count out the Steelers with their bash against the wall. They showed you why last week against the Titans. Traveling to Kansas City to take out a Kansas City Chiefs team likely to be minus Tyreek Hill, minus Travis Kelsey, and minus Harrison Bucker due to COVID. Is that enough for you to pick the Steelers in this game? Yes. <laughs> I've been preaching for the last year. No Hill. <laughs> you know, something happens to Hill. If something happens to Kelsey, either one, let alone both of them, the wheels are coming off in Kansas City on that offense. And that didn't even happen this year. And the lack of Sammy Watkins or that third receiver position has killed Kansas City this year that's a huge part of the problem with their offensive identity is that Josh Gordon not doing anything Nicole Hardman not good enough Byron Pringle not a top three option in your offense doesn't have I'm the sorry. pop doesn't have the pop oh, yep yep exactly and so yeah I'm Pittsburgh man that team's killing me all hail Mike Tomlin I don't know how he does it I figure you know what more chaos in the AFC North. Let's have it. Pittsburgh knocking off Kansas City 26 to 24. And moving right along to an AFC West consolation bowl. This is just a consolation bowl. I do not see any one of these two teams getting into the playoffs, uh, regardless of what happens in this game. Uh, whoever wins is going to be in third place in the AFC West come season's end. Broncos at Raiders. And, uh, Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater, I like the Raiders anyway because uh, I, th I still think they're the better team overall at the moment uh, because of uh, what they have. But the Broncos are close nonetheless. But the big difference, the Raiders have a quarterback. That's the difference in this game. I like the Raiders. Tough game here to call without a doubt. I'm going with the Raiders as well. I want to give you a Broncos a little bit better uh, draft position here, David. So I'll say Vegas 24, Denver 18. And speaking of better draft position, plus keeping in mind Teddy Bridgewater's long-term health, should the Broncos be willing to ride out the rest of the season with Drew Locke, given the, the fact that they're highly, highly unlikely to make the playoffs, um, barring the miracle of miracles? I wouldn't want Drew Locke back there for any reason. I'm sorry. If Teddy can play, I'm putting him out there. You don't want to let your telegraph to the rest of the team that you're giving up on the season. So no, no Drew Locke. Give me Teddy if he can play. All right. And on Sunday night football, the Washington football team, which dropped a 
must-win game against the Eagles on Tuesday night, six and eight, traveling to Dallas to take on the Cowboys. Cowboys blew them out last time. Washington might make it a little more interesting this time, but it's not going to be enough. Cowboys uh, with that defense, that's going to be more than enough to win. And Dak, uh, 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 I have a feeling Dak uh, plays his best game in quite a while on Sunday night. I like Cowboys. Yeah, I like the Cowboys too. I, I think they've just got too much going for them right now. Uh, they're getting back on track. Like you said, Washington, uh, these last two games against Dallas and Philadelphia were must-win games for them to stay in the playoff race. They lost them both. I think it's uh, all downhill from here for Washington. So, yep, easy pick. Dallas 30, Washington 19. And on Monday Night Football, playoff implications here, dare I say. The 7-7 Miami Dolphins, winners of six straight Traveling to New Orleans to take out the Saints, coming off that impressive Sunday night performance in Tampa. Oh, my God. I don't know who to pick. I just don't. Both of these teams play very tough for their head coaches all the time. I think it's going to be a very, very close game. But I just can't say no to Dennis Allen, Sean Payne. Yes, I love Brian Flores, and I think the Dolphins are going to take off, especially if they get to Sean Watson. But... Sean Payton and Dennis Allen have been coaching their rear ends off all season long, and I think they are able to get at least one more win out of this season, even if they don't make the playoffs. I am taking the Saints. I'm going to go the opposite, David. I said there was a third team that I've given up on. I'm not picking against them the rest of the way here, and that's the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I don't know how they do it. Uh, They just keep putting these W's together getting these wins credit brian flores i don't know how, that there's many one in seven teams that the head coach can continue to get the team to buy into but um slight hiccup against the jets on defense last week but i think that defense gets right back on track i'm looking at a very low scoring game uh both teams strong defenses i'm going to figure Two is going to figure something out, make that play at the end of the game, and Miami wins it 15 to 10 over the Saints. And now it's time for our week 16 bold predictions. And we start with you this week, Cal. You say the Bears um, and Seahawks are going to end in a tie. In a tie. The underachiever bowl. I want to embrace the ugly. How ugly can this game get going to overtime tied? I think. We'll see both teams with two possessions. Both teams turn the ball over twice. Let's have an interception in the end zone to start it for the Bears. Seattle fumbles it back. Fields fumbles it back to Seattle. And Seattle with a chance to try to get into field position. Nope. Sack. Fumble. Not able to get into field position. The clock runs out. The ugly bowl ends in a tie. 20 to 20. That's as ugly as I can get it. Oh boy, that is ugly. <laughs> and definitely not a sight we want to see on Christmas. My bold prediction is this Jonathan Taylor only advances his case for league MVP by totaling over 300 yards from scrimmage on Christmas Day against the Arizona Cardinals, at least 150 yards rushing, another 150 yards receiving, and three touchdowns. But that's not all. He scores the game-winning touchdown at the gun on fourth and one from the one-yard line, giving the Colts 
a 23-22 win over the Cardinals in the desert. That is my bold prediction. And now it's time for our challenge flags. What is your challenge flag for week 16, Hal? Well, I, I said, you know, three teams I'm not picking against. San Francisco, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Philadelphia, Indy, Miami. Well, go nuts. Let's raise the streaks. Let's get hot. Let's mess up this playoff picture. I want all three of those teams. I want to see you run the table. So Indy, Philly, Miami, get to it. I'm challenging you. Make this a wild, wild race for the playoffs. My challenge flag goes to the Arizona Cardinals. I am very worried that you are on track to finish this season exactly the same way you finished last season on the most sour note possible. Cardinals, do what you can to prove me wrong. Match the Colts' physicality. Show up to play. Show up like you are willing to take them out of the trenches. You will only win on Saturday if you are willing to do that and prove me wrong. So, Cardinals, just match the Indianapolis Colts' physicality. And he is Hal Bentley's gentlemen, of BostonSportPage.com and full press coverage. You can follow him on Twitter at HalBets01. Hal, thank you so much once again for joining us. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back same time next week to recap week 16, preview week 17, and discuss all the latest news and notes from around the National Football League. So stay tuned. You can also follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 and on Instagram at SportsCrunch with dcrom. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. Also, be sure to check out the new and approved SportsCrunch.com. In addition, I want to congratulate my good friends who you hear at the beginning of each Sports Crunch episode, the Denver Broncos cheerleaders. I am happy to report that they raised over $50,000 this year for their Cheer for the Troops campaign, which is enough to send over 500 care packages to active duty troops and U.S. military personnel currently stationed overseas. Hal and I were happy to play whatever role we could to help make their 2021 campaign a success. And we would also like to thank everyone out there who heard the message, sent a donation, and spread the word. Because of you, hundreds of our brave servicemen and women overseas will get some extra well-deserved Christmas cheer. For Hal Bet, this is David Crumble saying so long, stay awesome, enjoy another fun weekend of football, and Merry Christmas, all you filthy animals, all you cat skins out there. Stay cool. (laughs) 